This morning's scriptures come to us from the Gospel of John. Uh, We'll be reading two passages in John. If you're following along in your Bible, the first one begins in chapter 18. And we'll start in 15, verse 15 of chapter 18. I'll give you a second to get there. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. And now we'll turn to chapter 21 and read verses 4 to 17. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. For they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you bow? Uh, would you uh, be seated and bow with me for a word of prayer? Uh, kids are just Mr. Cub kids, as they already knew. Um, let's pray. Gracious God, we do uh, come before you with great thanksgiving for your holy word for the wisdom that we receive from it. We ask that you would meet with us now in this space and time. 
Open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear. Open our minds that we would come to know and understand your word. Open our hearts that we would feel its power. Then by your grace, I ask, oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I became a Christian in high school. And uh, just a few months after uh, my conversion, after I became a Christian, I, uh, I was uh, hanging out with a friend of mine, and we were riding in her car, and she pulled out a case of CDs, as it were. Uh, youth, you're, you're going to be really confused for the next little bit. But, <laughs> so she pulled out a little case of CDs, and, um, and she grabbed one and said, hey, I've been listening to this one, I want you to listen to it. And so... Um, I was kind of in uh, the new Christian, not really figuring out what this meant to all aspects of my life yet. So I was more of a bone thugs in harmony when I was angsty and angry or uh, an outcast whenever I wanted a little bit of spice or, or, or if I was uh, hanging out with a girl, I was more of an usher kind of guy, like this like late 90s. Uh, this, this was my, my wheelhouse music selection, and she pulls out a CD, and I'd never heard of this, uh, this artist before. Her name was Jennifer Knapp, and uh, she put it in the CD player. At that point, like, it was a CD player that had the cord with the cassette tape that went in the cassette tape deck, right? Uh, so uh, back to the youth confusion. So, so uh, she, she played this, this album, and I realized very quickly that this was a Christian album. And, uh, and I had never listened to Christian music in my entire life uh, on, on, a, on a CD player or a radio, uh, only at church or at like camps and this sort of thing. And so I was immediately kind of off-put and disgusted by it uh, because Christian music had to be blah. And, uh, and so I listened and I tolerated, and then it got to the song called Undo Me. And uh, there was this line at the end of this, uh, at the end of the song in the bridge as it kind of hit this peak, and uh, like Jennifer Knapp, the artist, is like crying out in the song, and she says, "Abba, Father," which I've been to church enough to know that, that meant Daddy, the, the the one that kind of pulls me into uh, His arms and loves me so dearly as my heavenly Father. Abba, Father, you must wonder why more times. Than Peter, I have denied. And I sat there in that car after hearing that line and was just overwhelmed. And I went home and I bought the CD uh, and I listened to the album over and over again. And that song became like this very, 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 very secretive obsession of mine. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, because it just so deeply convicted my heart because I knew how many times I had denied Jesus. I, I knew that that, that, that that was just a, the question that constantly uh, I was wrestling with. God, Father, 
Doesn't that bother you? Don't you, don't you wonder? Don't you, don't you, aren't you perplexed? Aren't you upset? Aren't you ashamed? Aren't you angry at how many times I've denied you? I've denied you so, so many more times than Peter. And we look to Peter in Scripture and we say, look at how many times Peter denied. Three times over and over again. Right there as Jesus is heading to the cross. And, and, if, and if Peter did that, then I, I was thinking to myself, what is it for me? If Peter denied thrice, then, then what about how many times I've denied? And so then this story, this story in, in John 18 through 21 became a story of faith for me. And I want to share it with you because we oftentimes look at pieces of this story, but don't look at the whole. Or we look at it from one angle or one perspective, but don't. Uh, many times we fail to look at it from, from Peter's perspective or understand the linkage between the stories that, that carry Peter's perspective forward all the way through 21. The story begins in the Garden of Gethsemane, the, the Mount of Olives. They had just shared uh, the Passover meal with Jesus, this one that Jesus invited his disciples into. Jesus acknowledged to all that he knew he would be betrayed, and then they journey, and Jesus teaches. And as they walk for hours from uh, the upper room across two valleys, and the city of David, they arrive in the Mount of Olives, and there Jesus weeps and he prays to God. And they can't even stay awake as disciples. And here comes Judas with, 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 with the, the, the centurions, with the, the high priest guard, and, and they come with, with swords drawn, ready uh, to, to overtake this, uh, this rabble and and as they approach, Judas offers Jesus a kiss. And then Peter, as though he is the one to bring the defense for Jesus or on Jesus' behalf, pulls his sword and slices off the guard's ear. Jesus heals him, rebukes Peter. Jesus' last living words to Peter or words of rebuke. And then the story continues to the scene that we drew in in John 18 in Scripture, and that is that, 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 that Peter and another disciple, they follow the high guard probably at a distance, I, I think like hiding behind bushes or trees as they go to be sure they're not seen. And, and, and as they arrive uh, to the high priest's chambers where, where, where there's a guard, uh, Peter has to wait outside because he, he, he's afraid. Uh, and, and, and I want you to get into the inner space of Peter this time. His master has been arrested one of his brothers was the betrayer, and here in this space, he thinks that all is ended and the echo of rebuke from Jesus rings yet still in his ears. And so, as Peter enters in with this other disciple into the courtyard around which people were gathering as, as, as Jesus was being interviewed by the high priest as he walks in, do you follow Jesus? No, that's not me. 
And then the story shifts and shows Jesus being interviewed. But all the while, we still see Peter in our own minds. We can see Peter, and he's in this courtyard. And the, and, and the word of God says that, that there's this fire of coals, like this fire pit in this courtyard to keep people warm. And so you could imagine him standing in the cold with his thoughts, realizing that he had just d- denied his Lord and, and knowing that he had been rebuked by his Lord. And then he's warming himself, and a second question comes. You, you follow you follow Jesus, don't you? Not me. You got the wrong guy. And the third one comes soon thereafter, and, and you, could think of, you, you, you could think about all of the things that would be going through Peter's mind in this question. So it says that uh, a guard who was there, who's actually the brother of the dude that Peter sliced his ear off, right, so this brother comes and approaches Peter, and you can imagine maybe in an aggressive posture, uh, ready to actually do battle with Peter. And here in this space, Peter is intimidated and afraid, and, 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 coer- and, and you could just imagine uh, the pain that is going on in his mind as he says, no, I saw you there. I know you were with Jesus. I know you follow Jesus. And even with the eyewitness testimony, Peter denies just as jesus prophesied and the rooster crows and he knows it and in my mind's eye at that point peter leaves the scene and abandons jesus there to be interrogated i don't know how you see the rest of that space but When you know that you have done something so heinously wrong, what is your space that you go to? Is it by yourself? Is it in isolation? Do you feel anger well up within yourself that you did it yet again? Or disappointment and dejection overwhelm you so that you just cower in an emptiness? What does it look like for you as you you know that yet again, one more time, you fall short of this space, this, this glorious space of what it means to follow Jesus and to be willing to boldly say, I follow Jesus, and, and, and to not deny him, but to affirm him and profess him and And yet again, you reject him and you deny him. And so I personally imagine Peter running from that scene. Because every time I enter into that space of depravity, I I just run. For me, I just, I'll sprint as long as I can, as far as I can, as hard as I can. And, 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 And I go until it's just utter exhaustion, and then I just lay down empty. And that's what I see in Peter is this empty void of disappointment in self, wishing that he could be more or be better. The next time we see Peter, he's He's there at the tomb. Mary attests that the tomb is empty to Peter and to 
the one that Jesus loves, and they run to the tomb. The one that Jesus loves gets there and just is, 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 uh, is blown away that the stone had been rolled away, but Peter just runs straight into the tomb, past them into the tomb, sees that it's empty. He's perplexed. He's baffled. He doesn't know what's going on. And I imagine in that space, we see that as a space of questioning, how could this be so? What, what, what allowed the stone to be rolled away? We haven't yet heard from the angels that, that, that Jesus has been raised from the dead. We haven't heard that testimony to go forth and tell others uh, that comes to Mary. But here in this space for Peter, I wonder, I wonder if in that space of bewilderment, he actually had a space of shame and fear as well. If as he entered into that tomb and saw that Jesus was not there, did he think, did he, did he imagine that, that actually this meant that Jesus might know and that he might have to confront Jesus on his own shame and brokenness? And the next time we see Peter, he's in the upper room. And he's gathered with the disciples, all except for, all except for Thomas. And, and, and so there they are uh, in the upper room, and Jesus goes and meets with them and shows himself to them and says, I have been, been raised, I am risen, I have been resurrected, and here's what this means for you. Look, you could have that testimony. And then later on, Thomas is there with them, and he comes again, and he says, Thomas, you could touch my hands, and you could feel my side. And here in this space, think about what's going on in Peter's mind. Peter's been with the disciples when Jesus wasn't there, wondering why, why he was allowed to be in their midst as a fraud. Have you ever been with other Christians or, or, or other saints and you've, you've thought, why am I here? I'm nothing but a fraud. If they knew who I was, I wouldn't be allowed in. So many people don't even come to church, don't darken the doors of the church because they think that if you get in the doors of the church, then you have to already be made well, that, that you have no sin, that there's no denial of Jesus. And so people don't ever come because they have so much shame. And maybe that's been you or maybe that is you. I'm so glad you're here. But here's the deal. Peter was there too. Peter was there with the disciples in the upper room, and as they gathered together, he thought to himself, why am I allowed to be here? Judas isn't here. Why am I here? I denied Jesus three times. Jesus knew that I was so broken and empty, and I lacked the boldness to do these things. He pro prophesied to it, and it came true. And if these guys knew what had happened to me, then I wouldn't be welcome here. The next time we see Peter is in chapter 21, what we read in Peter's left this Jerusalem scene, and now they're back in the Galilee, his comfort zone, the, maybe a place where, where he uh, has gone to, to be in the more f familiar space, the, the, the more common uh, comforts of his life, fishing, and he says, I'm ready to fish, I need to fish, I need to do that thing which I know how to do because I don't know how to follow Jesus, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fish. And so the other disciples go with him, and they go out in the boat, and they're fishing, and, 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 and he, he sucks at it. You know, he's been th he hasn't been a fisherman for three years. 
He was trying to follow Jesus and he failed at that. And now he goes back to what he used to be and he can't do it anymore. No skill. They fish all night. Nothing. And then there's this dude on the shore and he yells out a, a hundred yards distance, it says. So this dude has to be like hollering, right? And he says, how's you doing? And they yell back, we got nothing. From a hundred yards away, this guy on the shore yells back, how about you try the right side of the boat? <laughs> you, you've been fishing all night long trying to remember that thing that you thought that you could do after you tried to do the thing that you thought that you could do but you couldn't do it and the one that you were trying to follow to do that other thing comes by and tells you how to do that thing you thought you could do fish on the other side of the boat so they throw their nets literally from one side of the boat to the other side of the boat and they could hardly pull it in then John has this has this moment this revelation this this moment of clarity, and he's there with Peter, and he, he hollers out, it, it's Jesus. Put that moment in Peter's mind, though. It's Jesus. And still a man wrestling with shame and guilt, still yet wondering, does Jesus know the way that I denied him? That conversation had not been had. So Peter covers himself, jumps in the water, swims ashore, and as he walks up on the shore, it had to be like PTSD for Peter. It, it, some of your translations don't do it justice, so, so I, want, I want you to, to, to get this. As he walks up on the shore, the, the best way to say this is, he sees a fire made out of coals, a very specific fire and a very specific description in Scripture of said fire, a fire made of coals. The only other time in the New Testament that we have this phrase is actually that same scene where Peter was warming himself in the courtyard of the high priest around a fire of coals. That phrase in the Greek could have been said 30 different ways. But it is quite explicit that that scene, just the setup of the scene, just the, the orientation of the scene was enough for, for, for Peter to step out and see and know that he had been in that kind of a context before. And Jesus set it up that way 
just for him. So, so the rest of the scene, you, you, have to, you have to look through the lens of Peter. It, it's, it's just for Peter. It's so that Jesus and Peter could have this moment. And, and do you know what they do first? They share in a feast, a bountiful feast. They fished all night. They had nothing. And they were going to be hungry or have to purchase food. And, and yet, because of Jesus' Jesus's instruction, there is more than enough. There's enough for a feast. There's enough for bounty. There's enough for not just those that would eat that morning, but for others that would want to come in and eat with them as well. And, and you know what? Even in the space that's supposed to, designed to remind Peter of his brokenness, he enters into it knowing that, that Jesus welcomes him at the table. There's a seat for him. He belongs there. He's not, he's not excluded or cast out from there. He, he doesn't have to have the conversation with Jesus before he's welcomed there. He gets to come to the table with Jesus and eat with Jesus. He belongs with Jesus. There's room at the table for him. And if I'm Peter the entire time, I am overwhelmed by the gift that it is to meet with the Lord even after I have denied the Lord. We don't get a lot of, a lot of description of how this scene plays out so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let my spiritual imagination offer a little bit of context as I imagine it as they wrap up dinner. Jesus and Peter are walking along the seashore together. And I imagine Jesus with his arm around Peter. Like best friends. And then they stop and they sit on the seashore, just the two of them. And Jesus says, do you love me more than this? More than what you know, more than what might be easy, more than what is comfortable. Do you love me more than this? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. Lord. I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. And I wonder at what point Peter figures out what Jesus is doing. I think he'd probably, because of the whole scene set up and from the, 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 the scene of the meal around the fire of coals, I imagine uh, Peter actually knows by the time Jesus asks the second question, do you love me? Peter says, I've been asked the same question three times before, and I know where that led. And I wonder if he wondered where this conversation was going to lead. The third time he the third time he 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 hears this question from Jesus, Peter. Peter, in his emptiness, says, Lord, you know all things. 
and you know that I love you. What is that like for you and I to tell Jesus, you know all things? You know my doubts, you know my fears, you know my sin. You know every level of brokenness in me. You know it all. And yet, Jesus, I love you. That might be hard to imagine, Jesus. It doesn't make sense. Why would I deny you? Why would I reject you? Why would I work against you? Why would I do these things if I love you? But it is my heart. I do love you. I don't know why. I don't know how. But every time I sin, it happens yet again. And and I still love you. I promise, Jesus, I love you. And Jesus says, I know you do. I know you love me. So I have work for you to do in my kingdom. I use the broken. I use the empty. There is work for you, even you, to do. Follow me. There is a great feast of the Lord prepared. We celebrate it here at Covenant as Holy Communion. And and some of you have been taught Falsely, I believe that you can't come here unless you have it all together. I've, I've had friends tell me that their Christian traditions told them that they had to be blameless and sinless before they came to the table. I see no biblical evidence of that. You belong here. All of you. Not all the stuff I know, but all the stuff Jesus knows. You belong here. Other traditions will will tell you or have told you, and you've told me, other traditions have said that unless you're you're inside the club, unless, unless you're a member of a specific tribe, Uh, you're not welcome. I see no biblical evidence of that. Zero, none. Because I see Peter, and I see other disciples, and I see that, that the Lord says, I have a way for you to go and serve and offer grace to all. There is a feast for you prepared. You belong here. All of you. Not the stuff I know. Not the stuff the person to your left or to your right knows. 
the stuff that only Jesus knows. And yet, he invites you to come. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the gift that it is to know that we, like Peter, have denied you over and over and over again. Countless times, in fact, not just a few. Not just three, in fact, but many. And in our denial of you, you have a feast prepared. Full of grace and forgiveness, of healing and of reconciliation, of restoration into community, of reminding of mission and ministry. Lord, let that feast be a feast of grace for us this day, of grace for the world in the days to come. Thank you, Jesus.